On a brand new Josh Nason's Punch Out, I continue my look back at the year that was 2023 in the world of professional wrestling with a stop in July. Boy, what a hot month this was, pun fully intended. Jesse Collins rejoins the show. We talk about WWE's Money in the Bank from London, England. We saw two ladder matches, Bloodline Civil War. Of course, we talk about AEW and the true birth and rise of the bromance that was MJF and Adam Cole really all began in earnest in July. So we chat about that. Of course, the best of Impact Wrestling, NXT, Japan, everything else in between in our junk drawer segment, an hour of power awaits you. Josh Jason's Punch-Out! Pro Wrestling Year in Review Series 2023, our stop in July, myself and Jesse Collings. Let's begin right about now. Rejoin the podcast for a, I don't know how many times you've been on the show. Multiple, I think five, maybe, maybe member of the five timers club, at least, I think. Right, what do I, sorry, I just totally interrupted my own intro. Oh, now, you know, I'm just going to cancel the whole, that's good. Um, what do you get? Will you? I, yeah, saying- I wanted to know what I get. That's why I interrupted. <laughs> I wanted to know what I get for a five timers club. That's right. The five, yeah. John Nash of uh, Bloody Elbow actually asked me the same thing. I'll have to figure something out. I have to uh, uh, assess all the uh, different people who have been the, on the show multiple times. And of course, I'm talking to uh, at least five-time member of the club, Jesse Collings of the uh, Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, of course. You can see his uh, writing several places. You can also hear him on WrestleNomics nearly every Sunday. Uh, there's a free episode that went up uh, recently. Um, one, I was going to say this week, but by the time this comes out, it'll be like two weeks past. But anyway, you can hear him on WrestleNomics on Sundays with a subscription, also free episodes uh, if you don't have any money. But uh, yeah, Jesse Collings, welcome back. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for inviting me back. Yeah, I was, uh, I was having a discussion with uh, Warren Hayes, who was on my show, uh, the Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast. Uh, we record an episode last Thursday, and he asked, what does he get as a two-time guest? And I said, mm-hmm. I said, he, he, I'll give him a large, one free large Dunkin' Donuts coffee, I think. Wow. Okay, right. uh, he's really setting the bar high. Yeah, but the, the catch is that he lives in Canada, so they don't have Dunkin' Donuts there, apparently, or they certainly don't have Dunkin' Donuts where he lives in Canada. So Tim Hortons. Is the, uh, yeah. The one. yeah he said they they muscled them out of uh of canada um sadly but uh not too sad because we don't have any tim hortons around here um, yeah, we, do you have tim hort do you you don't have tim hortons where you live right no i do not no the closest we have is um is an alternative was honeydew donuts and the closest one here closed uh earlier this this year it's very sad you guys have a Roma, do you have a roma joe's oh roma joe's too yeah what am i talking about yeah so yeah duncan's and roma joe's are the two big uh so our uh, coffee chains around here, yeah. Yeah, I don't really. We have honeydews around, but not like near me. Like I don't have a honeydew within like fifteen minutes of my house. So which yeah. means I never go to honeydew, right? Because <laughs> um, it's coffee. But I do have. I think on my last count was that I, I have at least six Dunkin' Donuts that are within like a fifteen minute walk of my house. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I oh, it, I should Starbucks as well. I always forget Starbucks. I really consider them the same things. They're not like a New England type chain, but. Yeah, Starbucks. Yeah, I don't get like I I don't I don't first of all I don't drink coffee. Um, so like I'm really like a what kind of like you know breakfast options do you have? So I never mm. really find myself going to Starbucks because I don't really associate it with like a place where I can get like a muffin or a bagel. I'm sure they have that stuff. Um, but I'm more of a that's why I like you know going to Dunkin's or, or 
your, your Dunkin' equivalents because you can actually get some breakfast food, not just coffee. I'd like to share with you perhaps the most random uh, breakfast combo I've ever heard. My friends and I were just talking about this the other day from our college days. One of our friends used to enjoy, especially after a, a good night of drinking, would enjoy a blueberry muffin and clam chowder. Ooh, that's brutal. It is. It is. Can't I can't make this up. It is very strange. Many a night in uh we'd go uh, seeing our friends down in uh, in Boston and Cambridge in that area and uh, driving around to find places and and yeah, that was his uh, his big request. So, yeah, for like first I was say first thing, but like you know, clam chowder nine, ten o'clock in the morning has probably been there from the before and a blueberry like just the strangest. Yeah. He's a strange guy anyway, but that, I'm, that was I'm, I'm I'm thinking where you would get that, like a diner. Yeah, like a place that would have a blueberry muffin, but also have clam chowder for you because those would be two kind of divergent things to get. You're not getting clam chowder at Dunkin' Donuts um, or any bakery place, but you you might be able to snag some at like an all night diner or something like that. Right. Well, yeah, that clam chowder that was made yesterday. Uh, that's yeah, that's that's not so there you go. There you go. All right. Well, let's uh, put all the uh, breakfast talk aside. Give people some ideas. We're going to talk about the month of July. Of course, this is the. Uh, Year review series I do here in uh, WrestlingObserver.com. Been doing it for several years. And yeah, so we take a stop in July. If you're uh, new here, uh, I do one of these for every single month with a different co-host. And we go through all these different headlines throughout the month, focus on uh, one organization at a time, kind of pull out the big news at the beginning of the month, some of the more important things. And we kind of go through through some of the bullets. I'll kick it over to Jesse for uh, thoughts on those. And uh, then we'll move on and uh, all that good stuff. So we'll start out this month with uh, the World Wrestling Federation, WWE, of course, because uh, last month, last two months, I think we let off with AEW. But July was a big WWE month because a few different reasons. And lead off with Money in the Bank in London, England, uh, nearly 19,000 people in attendance and headlined by Jay Uso pinning Roman Reigns in the main event of the Bloodline Civil War that featured the Usos taking on uh, Solo Sokoa and Roman Reigns, of course. And this would set up a SummerSlam match between Jey Uso and Roman Reigns. We had two Money in the Bank ladder match winners, Damian Priest and EO Sky. Uh, Damian Priest, as of this point, has not cashed in his uh, his briefcase yet, part of a storyline going on with Judgment Day. Of course, EO Sky did cash in hers at one point. Uh, Liv Morgan and Raquel Gonzalez, or Raquel Rodriguez, rather, Regain the NXT or sorry, the WWE women's tag team titles, the undisputed ones. They combined the titles and then Shayna Baszler betrayed Ronda Rousey. We'd later learn that Rousey had given WWE a hard out date. So the end of Ronda Rousey was right around the corner. Drew McIntyre returned, confronted Gunter. John Cena made a surprise appearance because he wants WrestleMania in London. And no big surprise, the company broke the uh, all time revenue record for Money in the Bank, another big successful PLE for WWE. And looking back on this, obviously, uh, you know, the bloodline continued. We, you and I had talked about that on uh, your podcast earlier this year, talking about, you know, WWE success and attributes and, and things like that. And we had, uh, of course, two ladder match winners and you know, still a question of when David Priest is going to cash in. And, yeah, and then the John Cena announcement. What do you remember about uh, Money in the Bank, especially looking back at it almost, what, six months later? Yeah, I think the two things that I wanted to point out when I saw these notes were the, fir- the first was, I think, Personally, in my opinion, when we look back on like the bloodline angle and obviously it, it's not completed yet, or, or really if you just look back on like Roman Reigns' run, not necessarily the bloodline angle, but just kind of his run since he's turned heel. I do think that the most impressive thing that he's done from like a business perspective is this angle 
with Jey Uso that kind of really kicks off. It kicks off, you know, after WrestleMania, but in, in, in the um, at the Backlash show. Uh, but this Money in the Bank show where he pins him and that kind of sets up the SummerSlam show. Um, to me, that's the most impressive run if you look at Reigns from a drawing perspective. If you look at like some of the, the SmackDown ratings and the quarter hours that the segments between Jey Uso and Roman did um, were extremely high. And I do think that this is kind of like his peak, especially because he's working with Jey Uso, who had never been really pushed or elevated to that level before. And I think that's the major, like in the whole success of SummerSlam and and the business success of this Money in the Bank and then rolling into a very successful SummerSlam show and really strong ratings for SmackDown over the summer. I think like when it, obviously we'll see how it ends and and kind of who else Roman feuds with. But I, I think when I look back and I think about this run of him on top, the most impressive thing to me is going to be this program with Jey Uso and how much they got out of it. Given Jey Uso's, previously lack of established star power yeah i would agree with that yeah he's a uh yeah i mean i think i was uh was i watching um a survivor series of war games match and just how uh i i not uh i not watched raw in a little bit and i was surprised just i mean the whole yeet thing and people were really really into him and yeah i think that's a that's a great point this definitely kind of launched him into that um that stratosphere is being seen as a as a main event guy and someone in that mix and like he felt like he belonged. And I think that's that's uh, definitely a benefit from this. Um, but, and, and then, yeah, go for it. Sorry, the other thing I wanted to point out was this John Cena makes a surprise appearance and then he <laughs> he kind of advocates for a London WrestleMania, which I don't, I can't recall. Have we heard anything about London WrestleMania no, since then? Nothing. Um, and my interpretation of this was that he wanted the idea is WWE wants a slight fee from London to post WrestleMania, similar to what they get from cities in the United States, similar to site fees they've gotten from other international uh, locations that have hosted uh, special WWE events. And I I guess we haven't gotten that yet um, because we haven't heard anything about this. Do we have a date for, do do they have a location for Mania in 2025? I know it's Philadelphia next year. Do we have a a location for that one yet? They haven't done the one in Minnesota, right? Right, allegedly they're they're supposed to go there, right? Yeah, um, that was up for at, at one point for sure. But you know, I don't think they've announced anything for it. I definitely know they haven't announced anything, but I don't even know. I don't even know what's in the mix. Yeah, but it's interesting they use John Cena to kind of come out and literally make a surprise appearance because I don't even remember like day of like seeing rumors that John Cena was going to appear. I, I remember mm-hmm. this being very surprising, um, and <laughs> they use them to basically be like. Come on, people, don't you want WrestleMania in London and get the crowd to cheer so they can, I don't know, show that as B-roll for when they're making a pitch to to, to London officials. Um, but what's interesting about this event, I guess, is that it was hugely successful and it was in London, but they did not hold it in a larger venue than the O2. And the O2 is quite a large for an arena and they did 19,000 fans, but they surely could have done more if they were in a stadium. But for whatever reason, maybe it was they wanted to hold out for a site fee. They never, they didn't do it in a, in a stadium and they they could have. There's stadiums of all sorts of sizes all over London. It would not be, I think, difficult to do that if they wanted to. Um, but I don't know, maybe we'll see that big, I don't know if we'll see a big Wembley Stadium show um, for WWE again. I, I imagine that's something they'd probably want to do, but it might require a site fee for them to, to bite the bullet and do that. And I don't know if that's ever going to happen in London. 
All right, let's go to other news. Uh, WWE Chairman Vince McMahon underwent a major spinal surgery. He was also seen backstage at SmackDown. The spinal surgery was kind of like, a, you know, his news came out. And then, it, I don't know, I want to say people didn't, People didn't really, I would say, take it seriously, or they didn't see it as kind of like a major thing. But I think, you know, months later when you saw him walking with a cane, I think it kind of like sunk in just how, you know, how big of a deal that it was. And his, um, you know, obviously the the power being stripped away, as we learned later in the year, but that was kind of a, I remember it was, you know, major spinal surgery for some reason, I think just because he'd been so out of focus for so many of us in terms of, you know, not being on screen and, and all that. I don't. I don't think if it sunk in, but now months later, this was definitely a. I think a bigger deal than than maybe we uh, gave it credit for. Put it that way. Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to look at that without the conjunction of now knowing that he's kind of been. Frankly, it sounds like seems like muscled out of really any decision making power and got rid of some of his stock and things like that, and was this up like a power vacuum because he stepped away because he had to have the surgery and then someone else stepped in, or was this kind of always part of, of some sort of plan to get rid of them. Uh, who knows, but obviously, yeah, it, it could be, you could like, if we're looking at like, if we're writing down the history books and part, of, I think of this podcast is kind of re- to reflect on things that happened uh, earlier in the year with some hindsight, it does seem like that might be a really significant moment in terms of the story of kind of Vince losing power in WWE post-merger. Yep. Yep. He was a uh, backstage at SmackDown. This is still during the era that, these reports have come out that he was there as kind of seen as a a big deal at the time. Uh, let's go through some of the other uh, headlines for the month, and we'll split this up into a couple blocks, and I'll, I'll kick it over to you. So we'll uh, we we alluded to it. So Roman Reigns versus Jay Uso, Brock Lesnar versus Cody Rhodes three, Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor a three way women's title match, and other matches were being planned for August uh, SummerSlam. Uh, Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville won the women's tag team titles on Raw after uh, they had been flipped around, as we just mentioned. At Money in the Bank, Logan Paul, big month for him, got engaged to his model girlfriend, Nina Agdahl, uh, was set for a boxing return in October in the UK, and he also requested to go on first at SummerSlam in his match there. Jerry McDivitt, longtime WWE uh, legal counsel, working toward retirement, and he was no longer involved in the MLW lawsuit as they pushed that over to a different group, which was kind of seen as a, uh, maybe WWE just kind of wanted to start, get this out of the way. And for some reason may have been frustrated with uh, the McDevitt uh, agency or his uh, law firm rather, but they moved on with that and uh, McDevitt heading out as well. Company revealed the uh, like date and location for survivor series, which was the all state arena in Chicago, kind of a newsworthy event there. Big E said he feels great, but still has no timetable for his in-ring return to WWE at this point. Uh, who knows if this ever happens, obviously we've, you know, with guys like, Edge coming back and uh, Christian coming back and so many people coming back of these severe injuries or, you know, fusions and things like that. I mean, he could come back in five years or he could never come back at all, but, uh, you know, still kind of staying in the news, but still no update on him. Date was reportedly set for the uh, next WWE pay-per-view in Saudi Arabia, which would uh, end up being on November 4th. Nikki Cross graduated with a master's degree and the undertaker in the news, protecting his wife, Michelle McClure from a shark in a beach encounter and he said that uh, he hopes that WB would, would go back to the original Bray Wyatt character. And I include this because, you know, obviously uh, with uh, with you know, Bray's passing and all that, there was, you kind of see these headlines of people that just had uh, hope, you know, hope that he was going to come back and kind of just an assumption that he was going to come back, you know, was definitely talk about him and things like that. But uh, unfortunately he would die later in the year, but just, there was, uh, there was optimism and, and I don't think people really kind of knew how serious it was or the situation was just so fluent, but uh, that kind of stuck out to me and looking through the headlines thoughts about any of that. 
you mentioned like Jerry McDevitt kind of stepping away from that MLW lawsuit, which I think when the first time I heard about the MLW lawsuit, um, and, and basically the lawsuit relates to WWE using its connections with Fox to get MLW thrown off of, to get MLW not to be broadcast on uh, Tubi, Tubi yeah. which is, I think, like a Fox-owned, um, what do they call those in the TV industry? The streaming, the free streaming services. Fast, that have fast services. Yeah. Yes, that's the acronym I was looking for. The ad-supported uh, streaming services uh that fox owns so like and i when i first heard about that which i, I even forget I, I think it maybe goes back to 2022 um it was like oh okay mlw lawsuit whatever and then it's kind of a, a subtle story throughout 2023 is it seems to gain more and more traction uh in terms of its legitimacy and we've seen moves kind of happen where um and one of them is you know mcdivitt being taken off of the uh the case and uh it'll be interesting to see what unfolds in 2024 regarding that lawsuit yeah and i think it's kind of being paired with the uh there's there's i think there's at least one is there more than one ufc lawsuit with a similar um, there's uh, there's one there's one class action a few of the class action lawsuits got uh combined so there's there's the big one that is still ongoing yes yeah, so they get they have two big ones on the horizon and they're both kind of related to like the idea that these big companies ufc and ww kind of monopolized their respective industries and operated to hold down other competitors from from sure. gaining a foothold um but i don't it's something to definitely keep an eye on it was something that i was dismissive of at first and it's hard to be sitting here in december 2023 given all that's happened this year and be like maybe this mlw lawsuit maybe there's a lot more to it than we originally gave credit for it very true uh let's go on to this uh other uh section here so we had uh drew mcintyre cast in a upcoming dave bautista action movie former wb star you star liberally there but uh, mike mantar halleck passed away at 55 becky lynch revealed she had a sister moved in uh in july that nearly led to her missing an episode of raw bailey got injured at a house show kevin owens revealed that he'd been wrestling with a fractured rib uh ray mysterio was fine after suffering injury on smackdown seth rollins said his back's been at me uh injured since uh, 2019 trying to avoid surgery that become an angle or part of a storyline rather with nakamura later on in the year elton prince got hurt on an episode of smackdown cody rhodes did some interviews wb as a did a american document american nightmare documentary that was set for premiere in july and he's uh, was quoted saying what i was doing at the end in AEW is quote to meta unquote kevin owens said he was unsure about his wrestling future after his wb deal expires Santos Escobar was set to challenge for the United States title after winning the Invitational Tournament. The Rocks made a The Rock rather made a seven-figure donation to SAG-AFTRA, uh, the foundation's relief fund, during the strike that was uh, <laughs> roundly criticized by some afterwards. They're saying people said it wasn't enough. Uh, oh, sorry, that was the wrong donation. That was with you, the uh, Maui Foundation. He and Oprah made a donation, and uh, he was getting ripped on for that. So uh, the Rock can't uh, can't do anything right. It seems with donations. WWE revealing the ticket on sale date for WrestleMania 40. In Philadelphia, Alexa Bliss and uh, Ryan Cabrera, her husband, expecting a baby girl, and the company touted the success of their recent house show run in the country of Mexico. Thoughts about any of that? I was say a seven-figure donation to SAG uh, AFTRA's foundation. I was like, how much do these people want seven figures? That's a <laughs> million dollars, man. Yeah, um, I forgot about the the Maui one. Uh, I agree with Cody Rhodes that I do think what he was doing at the end of AEW was too meta, and I think I think there is something really interesting going on with him in AEW in terms of the crowd reaction he was getting. 
And as successful as his run with WWE has been, I do feel like we missed out a little bit on kind of where that was going because I do think he could have been a really big, interesting player in AEW if he had stuck to go there. Um, it does appear that going to WWE was a really good decision for him, but um, I do think we missed out on something that could have been really interesting. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's go to NXT, of course. And let's see, we had uh, the Dyad defeating the Creed Brothers in a Loser leaves NXT match, and of course, the uh, the Dyad would soon go on to become free agents. That was kind of this part of this uh, release that they requested, and finally was going to be granted, I believe, in October. Baron Corbin became a regular in NXT at the Great American Bash. Carmelo Hayes defending his NXT championship against Ilya Dragunov, and will be the first of three matches uh, between the two uh, throughout the year. Tony D'Angelo and Stax won the NXT Tag Team titles. Gable Stevenson made his in-ring debut, went to a double countout with Baron Corbin. Stax freed uh, Tony D'Angelo from jail in that legendary angle to uh, earn the tag team title match. Brian Pillman Jr. responded at the Performance Center. And on Twitter, I believe he had said he had a, a life-changing opportunity or something like that coming up. And that obviously would be a signing with a WWE. Dominic Mysterio won the North American title on an episode of NXT. Former NXT UK wrestler Leah James confirmed her departure from the company. Uh, a signee, Olympic gold medalist Tamara Mensah-Stock, quote unquote, doing great with her WB training. We have not seen her in the ring as of yet. And then no mercy was announced for September. And yeah, that was uh, the month in NXT. Anything uh, there got any interest from you? Was this, was that Stevenson's only match? Did he have another one? I think or that is... was, I think that was it. Right. That man, that feels more recent than July. Cause I remember the fallout and people talking about that match. And I feel if you were to ask me when that match happened, I would have said like October. That one's that one's obviously on this list. It's like, oh, all this happened in July. A lot of it I can't I don't remember specifically, but that feels like it happened more recently. Um, and I believe he's did he go back to college? Is he competing again in college this year? So he's done. I'm looking at cage match. He's done a few. Uh, he's basically done all like house shows since then. So he's got like 12 matches under his belt. He actually just competed. Uh, this past weekend, being a uh, Brooks Jensen on a uh, on a house show, but yeah, he's uh, essentially wants to go back for his uh, his senior First, year of eligibility, and he yeah, he yeah. wants to basically finish out the string with with amateur wrestling. But I don't know what you well, know. Is I, he going to Paris in twenty twenty four? I think that's the goal. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, I right. would say he's guaranteed he be, for it, but yeah, is he? He might be done with his college eligibility. Uh, I think on a, on an episode I just did, uh, I think he had some left. If I remember how these uh, how these rules work, yeah. Well, I think he was suspended for some time. I don't know if he missed a year with his suspension uh, following the um, accusations that were made against him. Yeah, he's and training. Then, uh, yeah, he's training for the twenty twenty four Olympics. So he is uh, right. Yeah, so he may not have college eligibility. But yeah, he, obviously he can still be in the Olympics and everything. Yeah, yeah. And those are only like six months away. I'm kind of surprised he's still wrestling for WWE. Like, what if he like really got injured through off his training? Like, he has a chance to to win. I mean, I'm sure he's he would be considered like a really strong candidate to win another gold medal. He's still young, and he won the gold medal last time. So, I'm surprised he's still doing that. Um, uh, I, I wouldn't say his match with Baron Corbin was a success. Um, I don't know. He's he's. Someone that I think they really, really would like to see work out, but I'm not sure it's going to. Um, and then this uh, Tamara Mensa stock, has she had a match yet? No, not yet. So she hasn't had a match yet, but she's been training for, I don't know, at least six months. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know what the standard is for like how long someone is at someone with no prior experience is at the performance center before they like appear on TV. It sometimes feels very recent, especially for the women's division NXT. Um, I would expect her if, unless she, if, if everything goes well and if, um, she, you know, she does, she hasn't suffered an injury or a setback. I would expect her to make an appearance in 2024. Um, and obviously we've never seen her wrestle. I don't know um, really anything about her. I do remember when they brought her, they brought her and Gable out. I don't know if it was, at, I think, it, I don't know if it was at WrestleMania or SummerSlam, but do you remember this? They brought them out like right after the Olympics. I guess if it was right after the Olympics, it would have to be like SummerSlam. Um and they both like did this thing and they were both like in the ring and they just basically so the crowd could cheer them. Mm-hmm. And I remember at the time thinking like Gable looked like he didn't have a charismatic bone in his body. <laughs> but um, Mensa Stock was like living it up. She felt like more naturally comfortable in that environment. And I remember thinking like, oh, that's interesting. because. And I remember she said like, oh, I'd love to be a WWE wrestler. I'd love to, to do that. And I was like, well, this would seem like a slam dunk, a legit Olympic gold medalist wrestler um who you've never had in the women's division before some someone nearly that level of caliber i guess i guess you could say ronda rousey is similar in terms of accomplishments in sport but like and she apparently really likes wrestling and she seemed to be at least at least again how much can you tell by her like walking to a ring and and waving to the crowd but she seemed at least a little bit more charismatic uh than the average person so i wouldn't be surprised to see her and i and i would imagine she she'd have to get like a really big push uh, uh yeah yeah it's interesting with uh stevenson so the mike gilbert who just did uh the june episode he's there's a podcast jd oliva who is a collegiate wrestler and he knows people in uh stevenson's uh fellow camp. fellow fellow voices of wrestling country yes yes yeah. you're right yes and he uh apparently said that stevenson he doesn't have it he just doesn't have that thing for pro wrestling like uh, his brother does, Damon Kemp, who is uh, you know doing some things in NXT and things like that. And I mean, it's you know his uh, you know his future could be in uh, MMA versus uh, you know, versus WB. And I, I mean, he's been in the mix a while. And you would think if he if he really got the bug, like so many of these uh, men and women get, if they're like I'm into this, like they're into it. And I it just seems he is one foot in kind of one foot out and keeping as an option, but not doesn't seem to be really kind of like the next, uh, the next lesson, the next, next angle, the next, you know, the next Olympian that we just kind of put the, 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 uh, you know, the label on, so to speak, as he's going to be the guy. I don't know. I don't know. I just, it just, I get this weird feeling that he's, uh, he's not long for the uh, wrestling world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's a weird feeling at all. Um, especially if you watch this match that he had with Baron Corbin, um, and, it, you know, it's one of those things where I think just because you're a good amateur wrestler and just because you're a good natural athlete, that doesn't mean that you're going to be a great pro wrestler. It maybe gives you a little – because you're a great athlete, it probably enhances your ability to be good in the ring. But there are plenty of people that were, like, incredible athletes that weren't very good in-ring wrestlers. NXT is full of them. Um, and you need to have a certain level of charisma, like – and even people that's come across like as charismatic in other ways and in other environments, that's not always going to translate to the kind of unique type of charisma that one would have need to have in pro wrestling. If you remember Grok's uh, pro wrestling career, right? <laughs> of course, who could forget? Right. And Gronk was obviously like a naturally charismatic person. 
but his charisma did not work for pro wrestling. It didn't, no. Um, and I don't think Stevenson even has like Gronk's level of charisma outside of uh outside of you know wrestling. So it's it's an uphill battle, and it's tough because you you tossed out like names like Angle and Lesnar, like okay, like because those are really high level amateur wrestlers, and obviously Angle is the Olympic gold medalist. Um, if if the goal is yeah, you got to be like as good as Kurt Angle. Like, good luck to you. I don't care how good of an amateur wrestler you are. That's that's a bar that almost no wrestler is going to pass, right? Yeah. But that's kind of the expect, and it's natural for the expectation to be to placed on to placed on him, and and they would love, I think, for him to do that. But uh, it's it's not always in the cards. Yeah. Well, let's flip to uh, AEW and uh, add some uh, Ring of Honor stuff in here as well, and. You know, the month, there was no uh, pay-per-view, uh, no big event outside Blood and Guts, which we'll talk about. But this month was really the the blossoming of uh, this uh, angle that has run through essentially the second half of the year for AEW, which is MJF and Adam Cole. Uh, this is after the, in June, they had the title eliminator match, and then that led in them being involved in the blind eliminator tournament. And in July, they won the blind eliminator tournament, and they earned a future tag team title shot, which they uh had on collision against FTR. They failed to win that, but they didn't split up the team. They they kind of kept him together, and that uh, you know has resulted in kind of what we've seen now with the Brochachos, uh, MJF, Promise Cole, a rematch for the world title, and then their T-shirt, uh, one of their T-shirts, one of uh, many T-shirts that would come out, uh, hit at that point in July, had already hit the uh, sales record for AEW. So yeah, these two, uh, you know, in, at this point, obviously punk was still with the company, the elite and, and all this stuff, this really at the time became slowly kind of became one of their, if not their top angle. And, uh, again, we still are not kind of really through this. Who knows how much the Adam Cole ankle injury kind of slowed things up. Maybe we're going to get a, you know, culmination or next big chapter in this by then if that hadn't happened, but it really took, uh, took shape in July and really kind of took AEW by storm in a lot of ways. You know, I, I'm dying to know, Josh, what's your overall thoughts on this, this Cole and MJF angle in general? I liked this- it. I liked it early on. I, I'm, I'm weird. I'm worn on it now. I, I'm worn on the, the I, it's just, there are some elements that are taking way too long to come together. Um, I don't, the Roderick Strong thing, I think kind of ran, ran its course. The Adam thing, I, it drives me crazy. It's kind of like the what thing with Steve Austin with me. And I don't love MJF as this type of baby face. I, I think there's a, there's, it, again, it kind of, it just feels too much like an act. And I know at one point, you know, watching it, it was kind of like, well, is the turn going to come because he's being too nice or being too, it just seemed like you're kind of waiting for it. And then you're like, okay, that's not happening. And it just doesn't, it doesn't feel right. Uh, the Cole injury doesn't help. Obviously I, I it's uh it's lukewarm for me. I, I liked it at the beginning. I think this is what happens in, uh, happens in WWE a lot, but, and now you know, seeing the AEW more, they just, it's too much of a thing at once. Like they don't slow play it. It is now just let's push all the chips in the table. Uh, I think they've done a lot with like Tony storm, like, a lot, you know, just now is every week and almost every show get something in there. I think it's uh I think it's a little bit too much. I liked it at first, but then over time I was kind of like, okay, let's evolve. And I think it's resulted in a uh I, I don't love this MJF character right now, and I don't think it's doing anyone any favors, especially him. Yeah, I was intrigued by the angle, and then I think if I were to point to a spot, I'd point to the 
the Wembley Stadium match where because everything was kind of leading up, you were expecting one of them to turn on the other. Um, and perhaps the Cole injury, you know, really changed things. But they have the Wembley Stadium match, which is this odd match where like MJF is like afraid to 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 like you know really take it to Adam Cole because he's his friend and it kind of had a different psychology than kind of the standard AEW world title main event matches that we've come to expect uh and mostly enjoy. And so and I think after that with the Cole injury it kind of put the story on the sideline and that probably has extended it beyond its uh usefulness. Um but back then I think like you said if we're going back in July this did kind of emerge as this kind of um, organic hot thing, which the company needed. I, in some ways, you could argue that it really forced MJF to turn babyface because the crowd was so into the tag team. They were into the double clothesline spot yes. yep. in this match. Like the fact that they got that over would be a sign that it was working. The crowd was really invested in it. Um, and maybe that, you know, the reactions that they were getting in July kind of forced them to maybe like, okay, maybe we shouldn't turn one of them, um, you know, in August because this thing has legs and Cole being injured, maybe has dragged things out further than that. But really this is the month like July where this thing really hits in terms of getting something organically over with the, with the crowd. Yeah. The, um... it's, it's cursed us ever since <laughs> it has. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, the double clothesline was big. Yeah, the the Wembley Stadium. Yeah, it just it had these kind of apexes. But you know, again, then I, I'm just curious, and and we won't find this out, you know, till years from now when when people actually talk about this and uh, kind of what if Cole did not get hurt at uh, Grand Slam, where would would it, would it how how badly did that slow things up? And uh, yeah, I, I just I I remember at the time again in July it was very much like yeah they should keep these guys together because people seem to be really kind of into this in a very uh, in a very good way and I thought it was good for the company but now it's just I I yeah, this uh, this version of MJF I'm not I'm not feeling it uh, at all. Yeah, and you kind of mentioned like it's kind of like dealing with this overexposure where yeah he's got a long segment on every show. Look, he's the most pushed entity in the company by far, and he's the world champion. And I don't think there's anything wrong with pushing him hard, but I do think that to me, to me, my main problem with this angle, um, when I really think about it is a, I hate the backstage. Seg- I basically hate everything associated with Adam Cole's involvement in the <laughs> yeah. angle. I hated the backstage segments. I hated the stuff with him and Roddy strong at home. Um, and I don't like the fake friendship because I, I think this was a, a trope that WWE leaned on too much. Um, which was like these two wrestlers tag with each other for like a few months and then they do like a blow up angle and then Michael Cole screams about how like they were like brothers they called each other family and it's like oh hold on we saw them tag for a few months it's hard to feel this isn't Owen Hart versus Bret Hart right Um, and in AEW like the friendships and the, the alliances that people have like have a lot more length to them. Like when we talk about the elite, those guys have been friends forever. There's there's literally a tag team called Best Friends, and they've been real real life friends for like a decade. Um, FTR have been you know tag teaming with each other forever. Like the the alliances in AEW go back like years and years and years, and that's where a lot of the emotional weight comes from. And then so you have this thing that's like, oh, these two guys were forced to be tag team partners and now they they didn't like each other at first and now they like each other. 
And I don't have any real emotional weight because realistically they've only been tagging for a few months. And I think even Cole getting injured has kind of put him on the sideline. It's like, uh, it feels weird at the end of 2023. It feels weird that MJF looking what his character was at the beginning of 2023. And think that the entire company is built around uh, this, this entire angle is built around MJF has a, has a friend that he doesn't want to lose. Right. Like yep. that's a really big jump from where his character was really up until this, 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 this July where they, they kind of got on the same page. And you notice they haven't, uh, there's been like virtually no mention of the, the war, the bidding war of 2024. Right. I think that, I think that extension is going to get announced, uh, during the week of world's end. Cause they're going to be in that New York area. I think they're going to make a, try to make a big deal out of that. Well, the, the, what was the thought process behind that? You think that the original idea was to do a, like a CM Punk, like, Oh, is he going to leave with the world title? And here's the, here's the, the event at the end of the year. And he's, his contract supposedly expires at the end of the year. And this whole idea that he would be holding the company over a barrel and he was going to go to WWE with the title or something like that. You know, and I perhaps, yeah, perhaps they can't do that because he's a babyface now, and the idea was that for he was supposed to be a heel by 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 the end of December. Yeah, perhaps maybe the the idea was to keep him, like Adam Cole was the one who was trying to get him to stay. Like that would have been a, a kind of a big thing, and maybe that would be the maybe that rematch for the world title would be at World's End, um, you know, his last match out or something like that, and he decides to stay. Maybe that was where the the term is going to be, and of course, MJF can't lose, can't leave without getting revenge on Adam Cole. You know, to me, that yeah. would have been kind of a good thing. You know, Adam Cole wins the title in December at World's End, and then uh, you know, MJF's like, you know, I- I'm going to, I need to get revenge on this son of a bitch. I'm going to, I'm going to resign, or you know, something along those lines, trying to try to goad him into staying. Um, I could see something like that, but that, I, I think the, I think the extension is going to get announced. Uh, I would assume when they're in the New York market, at the end of the, uh, the end of the year, because I mean they love their big announcements, right? So that will be, that's going to be my guess. It gets announced in in a couple of weeks. Yeah. How would you, how would you class if you were advertising this? Would you classify it as a big announcement? Would it be a major <laughs> announcement? Would it be uh, an important announcement? I would say this would fall in the important announcement category. I guess I would say important. I mean, yeah, on one hand, you would say this is a huge announcement because it's re-signing the, you know, the best, the the the, the youngest, you know, top asset you have as a company. It would be akin to like when the Bucks were able to uh, uh, get an extension with Giannis Antetokounmpo, like, oh, our entire franchise is, 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 is going to be in better shape because we announced it. So on one hand, I think it's like hugely important that MJF resigned. On the other hand, I think a lot of fans have already figured that he has had an extension for quite some time so will people really feel like that's an important announcement i, th- I think you just put it out in the media i don't i don't necessarily think you need to turn it into an angle or something to pop a tv rating but who knows yeah kind of like what they did when uh they re-signed the elite it was just a press con- it was like a uh media release on a you know app or actually it might have been in si.com first and then it was released shortly after it, it'll be something like that yeah maybe no. they'll leak they'll leak the scoop to barrasso again That'd be good. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, let's see. So speaking of Boston, Justin Barrasso and uh, everything that is Massachusetts, we had Blood and Guts at the TD Garden. The uh, AEW debut there instead of going to the Gannis, which uh, you and I have been in attendance together and sat next to each other for those shows. You were not, however, in attendance at the TD Garden, which they, you know, Justin Roberts mentioned to the live crowd and everyone started booing and things like that. I don't know if you've 
ever got over that or not. Well, at least they didn't cheer if I wasn't there. The fact that they were booing, you know, they were they're missing out on me. I know I'm a useless guest, right? They have the the for this show. You have a a major show in Boston for this year in review, and I that was a show I wasn't even at because I had to work. Unbelievable, unbelievable. But the uh, there was some working going on in the ring. Golden Elite winning the blood and guts match over the uh, Blackpool Combat Club. We saw the return of Pac. Uh, would turn out to be just a very short run before he went back on the injured list. Kota Bushi uh, made his uh, AEW uh, in-ring debut at this as well to uh, mixed uh, reviews. And this was uh, this was a match. The match ran long, and they had a they did a uh, after the match they did a, a post uh, post match handshake, and there was a promo basically kind of squashing the beef uh, between these two teams. However, because the match ran long, that didn't get on TV. And I don't know if they ever even put it on on social media or uh, YouTube or anything like that or not. But uh, yeah, the, Claudio Casanova said, yeah, that probably should have been live. But uh, the match just ran long. They weren't really doing overruns at that point. But uh, yeah, I mean, the match itself was it was uh, I, I, it was entertaining. It was good. It's a spectacle. It was uh, ridiculous in spots as as all these type of matches are. But you know, from from a live perspective, that was a a great live crowd. I think they had about eight thousand people there, give or take. Very loud. They were up for everything all night. The rest of the card was good. And uh, yeah, the double cage match is a is a, a big spectacle. I don't think I've ever seen a Hell in the Cell match live. Uh, regular cage matches, of course. So this was uh, uh, a lot different. But yeah, so, this was this was good. So you, you, you didn't you didn't go to the War Games match they had at Survivor Series last year? That was in Boston. No, I would have, but it was a uh, full gear. I went to. Um, Newark, New Jersey for full gear for the first time. So yeah. if had that not been back to back, I definitely would have yeah, gone to other guys. Yeah, actually, yeah, wasn't it like also like we were like on Thanksgiving or something like that, or like yeah, really close weekend. to Thanksgiving? Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. like I, yeah, I remember that. I saw the Hell in a Cell match. It was uh there was actually a couple of them because it was the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. It was like it was Charlotte versus Sasha Banks, um, was the main event. I think it was Kevin Owens versus Seth. Um okay. They had that. So those would be my my major cage match, uh cage match variant experiences live. Um, I love this match. Um, and I really liked the ending of it, which was basically BCC had brought in these mercenaries and Pac, and uh they got you know Don Callis to bring in Konosuke Takeshita. Right. Um, and I love the ending, which was basically that. BCC was getting their asses kicked. Pac gets in a disagreement with I think Claudio and, and leaves. Uh, and then I loved Callis noticing, like doing the math and just being like, oh my God, we're going to get our ass kicked and pulling Takeshita and Takeshita just walking out. Um, I just thought that was really good booking. And I like the idea of for all their talk about BCC, you know, talk about training together, bleeding together and all that stuff. They were eventually having to rely on these mercenaries to do a job and they didn't, they ended up backfiring on them and the elite who really love each other and are true friends and not just blood trading status <laughs> conquered conquered the bcc uh and then the bcc went back to being baby faces kind of a, a an interesting role that they have in aew in terms of flipping between baby face and heel yeah the only thing i remember that, that was uh unfortunate about this for the live crowds you couldn't it so and i watched it back on uh, on tv the next day was uh you couldn't tell that moxley was the one that kind of essentially said i quit for the team based on you to being choked out and that was the story they were telling on tv in the arena all of a sudden the match just stopped you're kind of like okay you thought that you know you had passed out or something like that so the story being told the fans in the arena was different than the one that uh, was on tv that was kind of the only fortunate thing because the match just kind of ended but uh yeah other than that again it was a i do remember 
Yes, I do remember that now. Um, one of those things that, you know, AEW has to work out. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Tell tell the story in both spots. Let's uh let's go over some a bunch of different headlines. We'll go over this uh first chunk here and I'll kick it over to you. The guns officially joined Bullet Club Gold on an episode of AEW Collision. Kenny Omega, just criticism of the uh, Forbidden Door match with Will Ospreay, where he took a Tiger Driver 91 and a uh, head hit directly on the mat and uh basically was you know defending himself and saying that the critics just want to put a dark match, a dark mark on that match, rather. Uh, AW Battle of the Belt 7 happened. No title changes. That has been the case virtually through the entirety of the series, except for the first few when uh, the TNT title changed hand with Sammy Guevara. But that was it. But yeah, that event happened. There was a most noteworthy was there was a severe weather interruption that interrupted the uh, uh, severe weather rather interrupted the broadcast feed during the Tony Storm tie Valkyrie match. And part of the match, the everyone missed the ending. And eventually they put the ending. I think they showed a, a clip version on. Um, uh, on the broadcast and then they put the rest on youtube or things like that i was hoping they just they wouldn't share the footage and just be like a tom mcgee bret hart thing and like 15 years from now we'd finally get that footage of what happened in that match but unfortunately AEW did not follow suit uh, jim ross gave a health update after his latest fall didn't have an AEW return date however he was aiming to return for all in of course is following his uh his unfortunate uh ep- role on the episode or a debut of collision where his voice was terrible and just was a real distraction. He apologized for that and left. So he was taking some time off. The company announced streaming deals in Latin America and uh, Caribbean and the Caribbean. Uh, Malachi black revealed that he requested to be exclusive to AEW collision rampage celebrated its 100th episode dynamite celebrate its 200th episode. Diamante received a full-time AEW contract. AEW was set to make their Montreal debut in December. They would officially announce it, I believe, in August. Layla Hirsch returned to action on Ring of Honor TV. Bandito underwent surgery to repair a wrist injury. Of course, I just really uh, just realized recently, or he announced recently rather, that his uh, didn't go so well. He has to go in and potentially get a second uh, surgery, so he's going to be out for quite some time. Wheeler Yuta suffered a hamstring injury on an episode of Dynamite. Willow Nightingale was pulled from collision. Due to suffering an injury, and Brian Pillman Jr.'s AEW contract expired, and he would eventually go to uh, NXT, as we just mentioned before. Thoughts about any of that? Yeah, it's funny. The Pillman thing kind of goes works hand in hand. His contract expires, and then all of a sudden, he had a life changing opportunity at, when he visited at following this visit to the Performance Center. Mm-hmm. I wonder what that would be. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of injuries here uh kind of and a lot of them still kind of impacting things especially the bandito injury which was too bad um yeah i don't know the, the kenny Omega, the tiger what was your thought on the tiger driver spot uh it looked incredibly dangerous you know um but, I, but wasn't I, it but wasn't it awesome it was it was i i'm not one of those um those fans or media types or whatever that uh clutch my pearls too much when it comes to injuries or uh or the severity of uh stuff being uh, too dangerous yeah i i don't like i don't worry too much about that because at this point it's like these are what they're paid to do and this is their life's work so i mean what are you going to do in the in these stakes um that i was just like holy it's, <laughs> that that's that i mean that is is risky no matter how well trained you are but i mean it's it's my it was my favorite moment in wrestling in 2023 really okay i i know i am not an emotional like wrestling viewer like I really don't make a lot of noises or react when I'm watching wrestling. I'm usually by myself, which is probably one of the reasons, but I remember, I'll remember exactly where it was. 
I remember exactly what I thought when they hit that spot. Cause he, part of it is he's, he's picking him up for the Stormbreaker, right? He's got him in the exact same spot. He's got him double under hook. Okay. Here comes the Stormbreaker. And then instead he just drops him on a head on his head. Um, and I I'm familiar with the move and I, and I, I hold Misawa and Kawada, uh, in extremely high regard. Um, and when he did that, I stood up, I screamed, I put my hands on my head. I said, I, I, I forget specifically what I said. I think I said like, <laughs> I like so my roommate came in and said, why are you screaming? And I, and then I, I, I couldn't quickly explain the lore of nineties all Japan uh, to her, <laughs> but it, it was, it was, it was something else. And, and I, and I, under, I understand the criticism, but what I'll say is I think the best artists push, push their, performance beyond what is considered uh conventional and considered safe and it's about pushing wrestling in a lot of ways is about pushing boundaries both in the kind of content you show but also in the risks you take and i wouldn't recommend everyone do this and i wouldn't recommend it happening in every match but i think when you have two wrestlers like kenny omega and will osprey who really really deeply care about the performance aspect of pro wrestling in addition to possessing, you know, generation ability to generational ability to to have to push those boundaries and the athleticism and the skill to pull things off. Um it was really something uh he Will has done uh the Tiger Driver 91 a few other times this year, but I have not it has not gotten nearly the amount of publicity. Obviously they haven't been on a, a pay-per-view like Forbidden Door, but uh He's done it a few times now, so it's it's in his arsenal. Probably not the last time we see it. And if they ever wrestle each other again, and I would like to say it seems very likely they're going to wrestle again, but who knows, right? Nothing is guaranteed. I thought Kenny Omega and CM Punk would have a match, and they never did. Um, and I'm still waiting on uh, Danielson and Kenny Omega to have another match, but yeah, eventually we have to imagine we'll see this match again, um, and we'll probably at least see this spot teased if not done. Even not done more extreme. What if he does it off the top rope or through a table? <laughs> Honestly, through a through a table would probably be easier or, or safer. And you'll not. be you'll be there, uh, smiling with glee as it happens. I will be. I mean, I I don't want anyone to die, and I don't want anyone to break their neck. Um, and for as as rough as this looked, it seemed like Kenny was fine. Mm. You know, as fine as one can be. Um, but it's my it's my top moment of wrestling for 2023. I don't know when anything else comes close if I'm being honest. <laughs> it's the right. moment where I I felt the most emotional watching wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe it's maybe that does sound pretty that does sound pretty sadistic though. It could it couldn't be anything nice. It has to be Kenny <laughs> uh, Omega almost dying. Right. Not uh, so not Adam Cole and MJF at the Kowloon or anything like that. See, I'll def- see that was such a bad segment, but I had to like kind of defend it as like, oh no, but it was at the Kowloon because it was funny. It was genuinely funny that they were at the Kowloon, um, right? Like when you saw them at the Kowloon, like that 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 must have got a big pop. Oh, of course, of course, like, yeah. It, it was that was on the that was on the Blood and Guts Dynamite, right? Yes, it was. So that, did that get a pop in the building? It did. So they, I've noticed that their videos. Um, this happens with videos a lot. They they aren't mic'd well. The videos aren't loud enough for the building because they don't, I don't think test them for, I used to work in pro sports um, and and we, part of the game press team, we'd have to really test the shit out of videos beforehand uh-huh. um, because there's sometimes when you have less fans, the sound bounces off the seats and you want people to get the punchlines, you know, 
But so you really couldn't tell all the dialogue, but the visuals were funny enough where people were just losing it. So yeah, it, it, it worked. Well, people could see that they were at the Kowloon of course, because of they course, did the yeah. shot. So of that's course. what I'm really interested in. Like, the Kowloon pop. So that that say that uh that segment, I don't think I don't think that was a good video objectively, but given that the Kowloon was in it, I had to give it a pass. Right. So I was like, of course. And then of course, Kowloon has been in quite the news lately. <laughs> For all kinds of brawls. Maybe that's what inspired all those brawls as they saw that segment. I hate to break it to you, Josh, but I, I think there were brawls at the Kowloon before yeah, that segment. Probably, probably. And I, I do have a correction. Dynamite announced their 200th episode would be set for August. It did not happen. Rampage, whoever their 100th episode did happen in uh, in July. Let's flip to uh, the rest of the month here. We'll start with Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor from beautiful Trenton, New Jersey. Claudio Castagnoli defending his ROH world title over Pac. This came out of the aforementioned Blood and Guts match. Mark Briscoe was injured. He was out of the uh, Death Before Star World title match, which resulted in Pac being included. And Tony Khan talked about how the ROH Death Before Star show was uh, very similar to the prior year's Forbidden Door in terms of the difficulty in putting together the card due to all kinds of uh, injuries and things like that. They had a tournament beforehand to decide uh, Samoa Joe's, uh, Samoa Joe's uh, TV title challenger, I believe, was Shane Taylor when all things were all said and done, if I remember right. Uh, Aussie Open won the tag team titles at the event. And uh, other than that, it was a ROH event that happened. The company issued an updated list of banned and approval required moves. And then Tony Khan had to clarify or attempted to, saying the banned moved updates are, quote unquote, more guidelines for referees than anything else, which really doesn't make any sense. But uh, however, that's uh, that's kind of what they're going with. There'd be more dis- uh, discussion on that in the months ahead. Jushin Liger was announced to attend the Owen Hart Cup finals on collision. And in those finals, Ricky Starks picking up a win. Over CM Punk to win the, the men's Owen, while Willow Nightingale defeated Ruby Soho in the finals to win the women's uh, Owen Hart tournament. And notable that the week prior, CM Punk defeated Samoa Joe in a rematch from their legendary uh, ROH feud. And that would uh, spill over into uh, in August. We'll talk more about that next month. Uh, AW star John Moxley won gold in a grappling competition. Brian Danielson underwent surgery for a broken arm. Suffered in the match with Okada at Forbidden Door. Madison Rain said she hoped to be cleared to return in the next few weeks. I don't think she's been in the ring at all, so apparently she wasn't. Uh, Billy Gunn teased retirement on an episode of Collision after a loss to House of Black along with the acclaimed. Darby Allen won Royal Rampage, also at TD Garden, earning a TNT title shot at September's All Out. Eddie Kingston challenged Shingo Takagi either for All In or All Out. Ian Riccoboni signed a multi-year deal with AEW. Jamie Hayter Unlikely to compete at all in due to a apparently pretty severe injury. It's kept her out a very good portion of the year. Jeff Hardy said he wanted to elevate back to Dynamite and wrestle CM Punk. That would not happen. All in from <laughs> Wembley Stadium. Officially a pay-per-view, ending all the speculation. The company reportedly had given Sky to Hardy a producer tryout. And Chris Hare was also hired full-time in the, to work in the back. Orange Cassidy was poorly working as a, both a producer and an agent in AEW in addition to wrestling. Roosh signed a new deal, is believed to be a multi-year, and offered, quote-unquote, insane money. Scorpio Sky injured once again. He had to be removed from a rampage match and haven't seen him since. And uh, Yutami Hayashita, Hayashita, something like that, <laughs> debuts for Ring of Honor. So a lot there. Thoughts on any of that? Yeah, I think, like, the one thing that stands out is I remember, like, the Jamie Hayter being off all in, and she hasn't been back uh since and i think it's something that's like kind of like something that happened in the first half of the year that we kind of lost since she's been off tv but she was really over as a star 
and seemed to be really the, the most popular wrestler in the women's division and was really getting over it. And it was a real shame for her to not be able to be at Wembley Stadium, especially given her um, as, as, a, as an English wrestler. Um, and I wonder when she's going to come back because I think the, I mean, she'd be a huge asset for, for them to get, get her back because I think she organically got over with the fans. Um, and in addition to being, you know, one of the best wrestlers they have in that division. So I'm hoping she comes back soon. Um, but you're right that, that that turned into like a, a really long injury for her. Um, as a fellow, uh, as a fellow Maine native, do you have a special soft spot in your heart for Scotty Tuhati? Well, I mean, I, I kind of have to. He was one of my actually he was my first uh, pro wrestling interview. I was working for the Portland Pirates, the American Hockey League back in 2000, 2001. And we did a wrestling night and I was part of that uh, presentation. And I got uh, probably about half an hour with him, something like that before the show. I can't remember who I wrote that wrote that up for. But uh, yeah, I, I had an interview with Sky Two Ice, of course. You know, and now we don't have a ton of wrestlers from the 207. We have um, Sky Two Hottie, Dirty Dango, of course. And um, oh, is he? I didn't. Oh, is he from Maine? He is. Yeah, he is. I've he's always there. heard he's from Boston, but he so he's originally from Maine. Yeah, he, he still lives in Maine. He lives, I think, he has a place in Florida and a place in uh, in Portland. Um, but yeah, so he uh, he does some stuff with the uh, the indie that I do a podcast with Limitless Wrestling. He hasn't done anything in in a while, but yeah, he's a uh, he's a legit good guy. A lot of stories I've heard from behind the scenes. Very uh, very giving. Very just kind of like you know he's uh, he's just in it just for fun and, and to have be able to work with his friends and help out younger talent and things like that. But yeah, it's not not a ton of uh, national talent for me. So hey, I gotta stick up for Sky Two. Who's who's Maine's greatest athlete? Oh boy, that's a good question. Um, I mean, Joan Benoit Samuelson, um, I believe, is from Maine, if I remember right. Cindy Blodgett, uh, tr- tremendous women's basketball star, didn't really uh, hit too big in the WNBA. But uh, Cooper Flag, this uh, this kid that uh, I was thinking bro- about him as a Cooper as a, Flag, my, is he the greatest Maine athlete of all time? He he possibly, yeah, he possibly might turn out to be the guy. Yeah, it's crazy. It's uh. He's uh yeah going to Duke and then basically kind of fast tracked it seems like for the NBA going to be a one and done and uh, I mean LeBron's into him Tom Brady's into him he's uh he seems to be legit so he may be the guy I rubbed I like I remember looking at like it's probably like a year or two ago and I was just looking at like sometimes I look at the college the the high school basketball rankings for like upcoming years and I remember this is probably like a year or two ago and I said I think he was ranked number second in his class and I had to like rub my eyes and like. I'm, I'm sorry. There's a man. There's this. There's a kid named Cooper from Maine that is uh, that is the number two recruit in the class of 2025 or whatever. Um, and I had to look up and the fact that he's gone on to become a bit of a an internet celebrity, um, and it, you know is probably going to be in the NBA in a year or two. That's a it's a guy. He's going to have the whole state of Maine behind him. I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Jumping on Samuelson, the, uh, the the runner is probably. Yeah. Probably the the best, maybe not most popular, but uh, but she's pretty well known, I guess, in her community. Do you guys, do you guys claim Duncan Robinson as a? I know he's born in York, but he's mm-hmm. technically from like the Portsmouth, New Hampshire area. He's he's a New Hampshire guy. He's from uh, Newmarket or New Newcastle, I believe. Um, yeah, when he when he he the MUR does always does something on him when he uh he comes back. And it was always tough because he's playing with the Heat and playing against the Celtics. It's like how can you root for this guy? You know what I mean? It's I tough because local guy, but you know, going. I was a. I was famously, Josh, famously at his first ever college basketball game. Really? No kidding. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, when he was at Williams College. No kidding. All right, so thought- this is very off topic. <laughs> but uh, yeah, did you have thoughts about any uh, any of that? So, I mean, let, let me ask you this. Um, 
because you asked about Sky too. I, I want to ask you about the Owen tournament. Does the Owen tournament mean anything? Because I, I look back at this, I had, uh, it seems like it, it didn't help Willow Nightingale at all. Uh, Ricky Starks, I mean, it, I think they wanted to give him something to do and probably was was Punk's idea because uh, they they were going to do some stuff after with a strap match and and uh, and all those type of things that you know didn't end up happening. But there was, uh, it just, it feels like the, the glow of it doesn't really mean anything past a month or so. Like they have these belts and all this stuff and Grant, we don't need more belts in AEW, but it just, to me, it just doesn't seem like it has that same, that same feeling. I should also mention Ricky Starks won and, uh, and just brush right past uh, Jushin Liger who was on the stage. And uh, so Jushin Liger was on TV for about 30 seconds. And, and that was all he threw over from Japan for. So I think some people thought it was uh, like an, oh, a, a tribute to Owen Hart's ribs. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that he would do something like that. But I mean, what, what do you think about the Owen, Owen Hart tournament? I mean, so we've had two years of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the first year I would consider it successful in terms of another Brit won it and she was already at kind of an established star. I do think it helped Adam Cole. I think they've picked the right people to win it. I think I would say this year, I would say Willow, the, the lack of follow-up on Willow Nightingale, who I think is one of the most, has the most potential out of any of the women that AEW has on their roster. I think she possesses a great ability to get over with the crowd i think she's organically over as a baby face i think she's a, improved a lot as an in-ring worker over the last couple of years and i would now say she's definitely one of the better performers in that division and like it's really kind of annoying that she i know she's on ring of honor and stuff like that but she seems way uh overqualified to be uh where she is right now and i think if she had gotten she could have used the owen tournament as a big boost for her and instead um and she had the match with sasha banks or mercedes i was that i can't even remember when was that you're doing these uh these annual recaps have you gotten to that yet the 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 uh mercedes monet um Will oh, I get match? That was in June, I believe. Okay. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we just talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. So she had already won. She she so she won that after the Owen tournament. And uh I don't know. I just I feel like she could have done more. And I think we would feel differently maybe about the Owen if she had gotten a really big push after that. I think in like Ricky Starks won it, which was I think the right call, but Ricky Starks was already kind of on his way up and receiving a big push anyway. Um, and I do think Ricky Starks is uh the year was partially derailed by whatever happened to CM Punk. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I will say that I think the Continental Classic existing isn't necessarily helpful for the Owen in terms of standing out because now you have this other seemingly much more substantial tournament with uh, more top stars in it that is also going to be on the calendar year. It's not a single elimination tournament, but it is a tournament that is going to get a lot of attention um, and will feel like the most significant tournament in AEW. Um, so now the Owen is kind of like this B tournament for up and coming talent. And maybe that's, maybe that's a good spot for it. I don't know, but I, I definitely wouldn't say it doesn't feel like this hugely important title for someone to win at the moment. Let's flip to uh, impact wrestling, go through the month slam anniversary, one of the big events of the year, Alex Shelley defeating Nick Aldis to retain the uh, world title in the main event. Trinity won the knockouts title. From Deanna Perrazzo, uh, Leo Rush won the X Division title from Chris Sabin, and then Subculture winning the tag team titles and uh, over uh, Chris Bay and Ace Austin. Steve Macklin 
uh, was off the show due to an injury he suffered during their Australian tour. Josh Alexander made his return from a torn tricep suffered in, I believe, April. Eric Young made his surprise return after gaining his WWE release. This was kind of one of those definite surprises because we hadn't seen him for quite some time and he had left the company. Later doing interviews, kind of explaining the situation, said that he couldn't work for WWE anymore personally, professionally, or morally when Vince McMahon made his return. So uh, he was very open about that situation. The, the one man to actually say something like that. I know. Yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting. He uh yeah, he he was very open about the whole story and kind of when he went to to Paul Levesque and and kind of talked about everything and uh yeah, he just had to bide his time and and did everything super quiet and then made a surprise return and back in uh back in impact and had uh, back from the dead. I mean, if you remember, he was uh he was killed by Diener. <laughs> on screen they had to they had to retcon that a little bit kind I don't, of I don't think he's the first person to ever be re- resurrected in uh, exact impact history a lot of deaths that's for sure uh the company wrapped up their two-night uh down under show with uh motor city machine guns versus uh, uh again the aforementioned chris bay and ace austin uh alex shelley challenging hiroshi tanahashi and an x division title four-way for uh, impact uh multi impact versus and new japan multiverse united two that was on the docket coming up. Impact Wrestling announced a UK invasion tour, so their first tour over there in years and years and years. Now, Galdis, uh, speak of Eric Young, wrapped up after his loss with Alex Shelley, uh, losing to Eric Young, and then was uh, his short run was done with Impact Wrestling, and WWE was reportedly interested, which turned out to be true. Trini versus Deanna Perrazzo, the rematch was set for Impact Emergence, as was uh, the, the return after a long time of uh, IWGP world champion Sonata to the promotion. He was uh, there for a short run as X division champion a long time ago. And he made his return thoughts about any of that. Yeah. I mean, the Altus signing was really interesting. So he, he, he leaves the NWA. He's kind of like this free agent that you don't know, really know where he's going to go. It seemed like a really big deal when impact signed him. Um, but he's only there like, really from like late April until July. So it's really just this like, you know, two month, three month deal. Yeah. Um, and they kind of did this thing. It's kind of like an old territory thing, right? He gets kind of built up. He wins a lot of matches. Um, he's then he faces the champion for the title, loses, you know, in Slammiversary, and then he loses to Eric Young on the way out. Um, but just kind of a really an, an, another step in what has been, I would consider like an odd career for someone who a lot of people pegged to be a, a top star for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um and now he's in WWE as a as a on-screen authority figure. Like, what an odd use of him. Um, I wonder if there's long-term plans to get him back in the ring in, a, in WWE or or what the deal is. But kind of just an overall very odd year for him. Um, but this was probably the peak of it, right? The kind of blow-off of his time at Impact where he main event Slammiversary, um, uh, even if he lost. Yeah, Impact loves these short-term deals. You're right. It's very much like a territory. Like people come in for three months and then they're done. I mean, that's and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think yeah, it helps them stand yeah. out and you're able to get access to different types of talents if you're looking to to take someone who's kind of shifting in between uh, the bigger companies. It definitely helps, especially when you, oh, the old Impact would have had him win the title and then like beat everyone and then just like lose and then leave. This time they they you know they built him up and then they had him lose to their guy, their champion, and then as a bonus he did a job to Eric Young on the way out. So uh, big steps being made in Impact because I think in the old days they would have been a he would have been a they would have not put over Alex Shelley nearly as hard as they ended up doing. True TNA TNA here we come. Uh, let's go to Japan, and we'll run through this month. Kota Ibushi was set to make his uh, in-ring return in Japan for the Gleet promotion. Two nights of New Japan Strong Independence Day 
throughout the course of the two nights, we had Eddie Kingston winning the strong men's title. We're just talking about William Nightingale. Julia defeated her for the strong women's title. John Moxley defeated El Desperado in a final death match with Clark Connors and Joel Maloney winning the junior heavyweight belts and Alex Coughlin and uh, Gabe Kidd winning the strong openweight tag team titles. The company officially announced Wrestle Kingdom 18 revealed the logo. They announced Fighting Spirit Unleashed for Las Vegas. Uh, El Fantasmo, when I said in an interview, he learned of his grandfather's passing just a short amount of time for uh, one of his matches in the G1. Speaking of the G1, the tournament was in full swing with shows all the time. Julia was set to defend the New Japan Strong Women's title in August in Philadelphia. And then Mercedes Monet was expected to face Julia for the title when she's able to return. We'll see if that happens. I feel like that's not going to happen because I think she's going to be at WWE and I think she's going to be at the Royal Rumble, but we'll see. Uh, Naimichi Marafuji set to face Will Ospreay on the 25th anniversary show. Nick Wayne's New Japan debut set for the All-Star Junior Festival USA. In addition to the one of my favorite match names of the year, the Philly Cheesesteak Cup ladder match. Yes. And then New Japan told Aussie Open, yes, but not now, when they asked for contracts. And of course, that led to them signing with the con companies. Thoughts about any of that? You ever like, have you ever been in a job where you like ask for a raise and they say, oh, yeah, we'll get to it? Or, yeah, well, you'll get a raise, but we, we don't have the approval yet, but we'll, we'll get to it. And then you yeah. kind of never get the raise. You kind of take the hint, right, yeah. uh, that, that that raise is not coming and you should start looking elsewhere. That seems like what happened to Aussie Open. Um, and, I mean, I, I guess it worked out for them in the end. They got probably a pretty good contract from AEW. Um, but it's another sign of what I think has become a troubling trend in New Japan is the inability to retain its own talent. Um, and not necessarily, it, it, it seems like at least with this story, not necessarily because AEW is, or WWE are just showing up and offering them a bunch of money. It's things like making sure that Aussie Open are going to be under contract for a period of time. And when Aussie Open's like, hey, you guys going to put us under contract? And New Japan is like, yeah, 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 we'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> um, that that uh, is, is a troubling sign in terms of the organization. I know there's some... Rumors coming out today um, about some other stuff related to New Japan uh, contract situations and things like that. But there is a, it's, it's, I would say there's some real benefits to New Japan this year. I think mainly focusing on some of the younger talent they've been able to get over. But there's also a troubling trend in their ability to to resign, resign people and keep some of their established talent. And we'll see what happens with Okada, who allegedly his contract is up Um in January of, of, of 2024 and where he goes would probably be a, either if they can retain him. Great. But if he leaves, that's, that's a massive blow to the company. Would you agree with my, uh, my prediction that Mercedes is heading back to WB? Um, honestly, she's kind of hard to predict. Um, so, so what happened to her? She, she broke her ankle. Is that what happened? She did. Yep. Yeah, and so she's been out for quite a long period of time. And if she still had a New Japan match in her date and she was healthy, one would think that she um, would be on Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, what makes you think she's going to go back to WWE? Um, I think there's this obviously this angle going on with you know damage control and would seem that uh, Bailey's going to be on her own and could use a friend. And that would seem to be a good thing. It seems that um, 
you know, now that Vince is out of power again, that Paul Levesque, uh, with the money and the influence, could easily make it worth her while, I think, to, to come back and perhaps address some of the concerns that she had before. I think uh, to be on a bigger stage of of, uh, of WB versus um, versus AW, I think she might. I think that might be enticing. But again, it depends on kind of what she wants to do. If if she's like, I want to be able to act and do all this other stuff, then you know, WB maybe just like we need a little bit more control. You know that we're not going to go for that. I don't know. I just, it, with AEW just kind of being seemingly kind of flat right now. I, I, uh, I just wonder, and this has been Dave's speculation forever that, you know, she, she's kind of holding out on signing a deal with AEW or, or elsewhere, a long-term deal. Cause she wants to have this WB card in her back pocket. So I don't know. I just, I have this, uh, I just have this feeling that maybe with Vince now, basically, kind of completely out of the mix that she might feel comfortable to kind of go back in the water, but uh, I guess we'll see. And that the rumble would be it. That that's kind of my, yeah. And you're, my you're reading, you're kind of reading some of the storyline tea leaves and said, well, it makes sense for her to come back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, help think Bailey. So. I think, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think that's all very reasonable. Um, I'm just, yeah, I guess I'm not sure because I think the steps she's taken have been kind of uh, outside of Chris Jericho. Um, kind of unprecedented and especially for a woman wrestler to kind of step away from WWE into the great unknown. Um, it makes me think I, I, I can't, usually you just say, Oh, she wants to go back to like, like you said, like a bigger platform in WWE and she wants to, to work WrestleMania and make the most money. Um, but I'm not sure she cares as much about that as most wrestlers, hence, which is why she left kind of in the first place. Um and I'd be interested in seeing. I I don't, I don't know. I think if she's just waiting for her ankle to heal and then be announced, that makes sense. Um, clearly, I think AEW has to be considered a competitor. And WW, if the, if she's offering her services, WWE's got to win one of these bidding wars because they didn't win for Jay White and they didn't win for Will Ospreay. Right. Um, and I don't know if Mercedes Monet is going to come as expensive or as cheap as, as those talent relatively did. I have no idea what her demands are. Um, but I just, I think she's just really hard to predict because I don't think her motivations are not, are, are, are similar to a lot of wrestlers, which are just, where can I make the most money and where can I get the biggest spotlight? I think she really cares about the performance aspect of it. And maybe she thinks she'll have more leeway with, 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 with Paul Levesque in charge than when Vince was in charge, which is probably true. So again, that's that's a whole other uh, thing to predict. So it's it's really hard to say. I I, I think she's she's going to end up in AEW or WWE. I think I'm, I'm just not sure which one it is going to be. Yeah. All right, let's go through uh, the junk drawer to wrap things up. Uh, the Alicia Fox said she felt like such a failure following her uh, the uh, infamous uh, WWE house show incident where she uh, was allegedly uh, intoxicated and so on in the ring. Felt sad for every miscommunication. Prior to her WWE departure, of course, uh, in June, she was announced she was going to be returning uh, to the ring, I think, for a, an indie promotion. Uh, family of Darren Drozdoff launched a scholarship fund in his name after he passed away in uh, June. Uh, the Global Pro Wrestling Summit event in Israel was not moving forward as scheduled. The thing was announced earlier in the month, and then, of course, the whole thing just folded. Core Power said that MLW is taking the uh, Jacob Fatu charity no-show allegations where he allegedly kept money very seriously. I don't think we ever heard anything else about that. Matt Cardona, Kevin Blackwood were drafted. I still don't know how MLW can draft people that they just signed, but uh, that's the world of MLW. 
at their Never Say Never event. Alex Kane defeating Alex Hammerstone to end his multi-year reign with the MLW world title. The calling when the tag team titles. Demi XO becomes a two-division champion, or a two-company champion, rather, because she uh, defeated uh, Ava Everett for the WXW women's title in a title versus title match at the show. And Don King appeared as the uh, mystery benefactor uh, for one of the factions. I can't remember which one, but uh, yeah, a lot of a lot happening in MLW, including a, a world title match between Alex Kane and Willie Mack, except for the company's August Fury Road event, as well as Maki Ito making her MLW event on that show as well. Uh, Trade Miguel and uh, Ashley Dembois got engaged, and then Dembois suffered an in-ring injury. Uh, Jeff Hardy was set to make his GCW debut appearance in August. Tyrus versus EC3 for the NWA world title was official for NWA 75. He later proposed a stipulation for the match saying, He'll retire if he loses. And spoiler alert, he lost. Triple Mania Tijuana, live results of the rematch. Kenny Omega versus Triple uh, A champion El Hio del Vikingo. El Hio del Vikingo picking up the win, uh, making the series one and one after they squared off in AEW earlier in the year. Don Callis was attacked by a fan after the show. Roosh showed up after all, after he and his father in, in June said they were completely 100% done with the promotion. And Roosh was there after all. Vikingo uh, had his next title defense set for Triple Mania in Mexico City. Ray Phoenix vacated his two uh, AAA titles and said he was stepping away from the promotion to uh, to focus more on AEW. Buff Bagwell rested for DUI and speeding. Tyler Breeze commented on his uh, in-ring return, which was impending, and explained why he w- was out for wrestling for two years, and the reason was because he enjoyed being off the road, so he decided to not go. GCW announced they were making their Cork and Hall debut in October. Leo Rush injured. Like that could be a headline in every single year, every single month. He was pulled from GCW. My name is Hulk Hogan. Got engaged to his girlfriend Sky Daly. Iron Sheik. The cause of uh, death was revealed for him. I believe his heart failure. If I remember right, I should look that up. Uh, PWG announced twenty their uh, mystery vortex anniversary event. Rick Steiner was pulled from a WrestleCon appearance in Detroit. The company had to issue a statement. Of course, this happening uh, following after the uh, incident with Gis- Giselle Shaw. Earlier in the year, it's surprising that they tried to announce or, or sign for another event without expecting any backlash. Again, I, I remind people that Velveteen Dream was signed for his first indie appearance, so within 90 minutes of that coming out online, he was pulled. John Laurinaitis, I think it was within a day or so after he was announced for an appearance, his appearance was pulled. So you're not going to like sneak one past wrestling fans, so I'm surprised they even tried to do that. Uh, Teddy Hart was arrested and uh, something called MDMA, some sort of drugs and steroids are allegedly found in his car. So his decline continues. The Iron Claw Von Eric movie, a release date was announced uh, for that movie, which would be in December. And then wrestling legend Adrian Street passed away at 82 years old. Thoughts about any of that? How excited are you for the Iron Claw movie? I am. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'm hearing, uh, I'm hearing good things. And uh, I, our editor, uh, Joseph Courier, attended a screening last week in, uh, in Boston, of all places. What? It, yes, they had one. Uh, they had one last week. Yeah, last uh, Wednesday as we're recording this. Yeah. And he, uh, yeah, he said it was good. Wow. Now I'm upset that I haven't seen it already. That's right. Yeah. Should I, I could have called in some favors and gotten into that. <laughs> um, I'm excited. I'm really excited for it. It seems weird to be excited for something, a movie that you know where a bunch of very terrible things are going to happen <laughs> <laughs> to very real people. Um, but it looks tremendous. Um, yeah. The Rick Steiner thing, I don't know. Like, like what a, like, I don't understand what goes through people's heads. What, like, what an unforced error, you know, 
that he's now missing out on all these WrestleCon signing dates and things like that because he decided to get into a, 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 a like I don't know like a bigoted fight against somebody uh, at another WrestleCon in front of a bunch of fans. Like wrestlers, what are they thinking sometimes? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Any thoughts about anything else in there? Nah, that's pretty much it. Mm, good. What do you, you enjoy the Vikingo uh, Omega matches? I do. And I like that Don Callis got that old school heat where, you know, he actually got like punched after because he was yeah. just such a dastardly heel. That's right. Well, do we need more? Do we need more of that? Do you think wrestling needs more of like, like managers actually getting assaulted? Not no one getting really seriously hurt, but yeah, sure. Why not? Go yeah. for it. Long, long as you don't seriously injure someone. I think that's like, I mean, any promotions all the time now, fans bring the weapons matches. So I don't know who you can trust. Yeah, do they still do those? The fans bring the weapons they still, matches. They still do them. Yep. That sounds like a lawsuit waiting. <laughs> it certainly does. Um, well, great. Well, that wraps up the month of July and what a month it was, of course. And uh, before I let you go, uh, give you the chance to plug away, tell uh, people where they can hear you and uh, and uh, feel you, read you, experience Jesse Collins. Obviously, not much on social media these days, but where can people check out your work? Yeah, so I've been doing a lot of audio lately. So I have the uh, Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, which is my podcast. It comes out basically in bi-weekly installments. It's part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network, but you can find it anywhere you get your podcast from, on Spotify, on Apple Music, on your favorite podcast app of choice. That's a Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast. I, uh, I just had Warren Hayes on the show uh, last Thursday. We talked a lot about some of the same things we talked about here, Josh, but we went into great detail kind of talking about MJF's babyface run and kind of why it has been so polarizing to a lot of AEW's core fan base. Um, I was also on Alan Forel's uh, podcast on the um, uh, Pro Wrestling Torch site. Um, his podcast, we, we reviewed uh, two episodes of television from November. We watched a 2013 episode of Tina Impact. Uh, which just so happened to be the uh, the Ken Anderson versus Bully Ray blow off match, which was kind of the end of the Aces and Eights storyline, wow. um, which I had had seen obviously in ten years, and I watched it again and learned a lot about. I remembered a lot about TNA Impact uh, during that time period. There was also um, we also t- reviewed an episode of uh, ECW Hardcore TV from 1995, an episode that was right after uh, November to Remember. Um, so people can check that out on the Pro Wrestling Torch websites. And of course, WrestleNomics, uh, every Sunday, oh, we had a free episode. It's a, a free episode the first Sunday of every month. So obviously, Sunday being December 3rd, we, we had an episode. We talked all about the business um, coming out of CM Punk's return to, to WWE Survivor Series. And of course, the big Raw rating. Um we also talked about kind of AEW's year and the revenue generated from there and uh, a lot of other topics. So people can check that out. That's of course on the post wrestling network. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting all over the place. I'm on post. I'm on pro wrestling torch. I'll be on the observer site with this show. That's right. and of course I'm on voices of wrestling. I, I'm, I'm open to PW insider. If they want to have me on a show, I'll, I'll, I will appear to, to kind of complete the major uh, wrestling site. Trench, uh, uh, the grand slam tour. Yes, the yeah, at season. least of the established sites. I guess fight, I'm missing Fightful too, but I'm I am not I'm not against appearing on a Fightful show. So I want to be asked. So, <laughs> well, good stuff. I'm glad to glad you're getting out there and I uh, can hear your work. And thanks for stopping by here for uh, for yet another edition of uh, the Year in Review series. Jesse Collings, thank you so much.